Hi, Emmaus. Welcome back to the Proclaim and Display podcast, episode 15, where we help you show and tell the gospel to your neighbors and the nations. Back in the studio today with Jaron and Kennedy. Hey, hey. Hello. What's up, guys? So, Kennedy, great to have you back. Last time you were traveling the world, we tried a Where in the World is Kennedy Lee Hugh? Yeah, I heard segment. that. Did you I hear that? Like, this is interesting yeah, and yeah, fun. Yeah, we'll on you. So, uh, <laughs> then last week we were off uh, because of spring break. So, how was your trip, Kennedy? It was so good. I learned a lot, was challenged a lot. I was reminded that I need to work more on my Spanish. So, yeah, yeah really Breaking good. Duolingo, what are you going for? Yeah, what's oh, the, yeah, what's Duolingo. The yeah. Hopefully, I will start taking actual Spanish lessons. So, we'll see. Nice. But I will have to say, when we didn't do the podcast, I'm just going to publicly... Um, confess this. Oh. Jeff and I were going to play a prank on you guys and me, Jeff, and Jonathan were going to come in here oh, no. and record a podcast. Just like a three minute podcast and oh. put it on and then send it to you guys and oh. be like, here's you this sh- week's podcast. Oh, you it probably would have aired. Jonathan yeah. said no though. Oh man, he was so good when he was on the podcast. I know. So, that's alright. So you you were in Nicaragua. I guess uh, it's yes. too late for me to take that back. I said it out loud. So yeah. I think we could say where you were. Yes, so, I was yeah. in Nicaragua. Well, Jaren and I were not in Nicaragua, no. um, and we were snow skiing last week. So, Jaren, have you recovered from attempting, the snow skiing? Attempting, a- attempting the snow to ski. snow ski, yeah. No, I'm doing good. I feel like I'm 25 years old, plus 20, and uh, <laughs> so, so just about how old I am. I'm, you know, I'm still a little tight in the calves from, that was, a, was that a week and a half ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I'm, recovering I'm still already. recovering, I guess. <laughs> That's all right. It was fun. It was fun. I'm, I'm a day one skier. Or a one-day skier. A one-day skier. You yeah. did, and then you relaxed really well yeah. those next two days. Got, so. got Nathan rolling and set him loose, and I was good. That's was fantastic, perfect. man. I love it. Well, Emmaus, we have a great guest on the podcast today, someone who's been connected with our church for many years, Dr. Bobby Kelly. <laughs> Dr. Kelly, a lot of snow skiing in your background? Never snow skied. Never snow skied. I'm, and I'm too old now. No, no shot. I'm going to risk breaking some bone. The mountains of Kentucky. Not a lot of. Uh, we didn't do a, no. That's uh, no, no skiing in no, those no, mountains. No skiing there. So if you don't get coal out of them. There's yeah, no value. That's, to that's it. Yeah, we're not we're not skiing there. So water skiing. Have you, have I have water skiing. Have yeah. you? Yeah. My uh, my wife before she was my wife, uh, she kind of her family lived on the lake, so they had a boat. To, uh, so. All the, a lot of the early years of our dating, we'd go out on the lake and nice. ski. My family, we just were not lake people. Like, we just no. didn't spend spend time no. at the lake. I went water skiing one time when I was probably 13 or 14, and I fell, obviously, and then the boat, you know, drives off. And my fear of, like, water I can't see all the way mm. into, yeah. I almost went into panic mode. I was like, that boat better come back and get me quickly. I'm not going to get out of here. So Obviously it did. It did. Yeah, <laughs> it did. So that shows you how bad it, uh, I am at lake life and, uh, and water skiing. So, well, Dr. Kelly, I, I know you've known Emmaus for, for a long time. How did you first get connected uh, to Emmaus? Do you remember back in the day? We were thinking 2005, somewhere in that range. That, maybe. That, not at least 2005. Not the 1900s. Not the 1900s. <laughs> no, not the 1900s. Uh, as Jaron tried to put on me Sunday. <laughs> it, it could have been a year or two before 2005, but I was thinking around that time, and then uh, a, a lady in the church told me in uh, between the two services on Sunday, the Sunday school and the worship, that she had it in her Bible 2005. I did Mark. Nice. So I, that could have been the earliest, or it could have been a little earlier. But it was the early 2000s. Um, Mike Booth was the pastor at the time. And uh, Jim Vernon was a music professor at OBU. He, uh, 
he was doing something here. I'm, I don't think he was interim, but he, he could have been, or he maybe just come over and did something special. And I think Mike asked him if he knew anybody who Mike could want to do a Bible study or January Bible study, and Jim recommended me, and he, Mike called, and I came over that first time, and I loved it, and he seemed pleased, so we just started scheduling it every year. And 18 years later. 18 years <laughs> later, we're, uh, we're, we're still at it. Mike so. left, uh, and I think I did it in the interim period. Uh, as I recall, I, I did, or it fell, maybe it just fell. I'm not sure how long it was between Mike's leaving and you getting here, but I think I did it in that in that yeah. interim period, and uh, so I'm very happy you've invited me, but to continue yeah. doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for those of you listening who don't know who Dr. Kelly is, uh, run through the bio here. Dr. Kelly is the Ruth Dickinson Professor of Religion at Oklahoma Baptist University. When Amanda and I were at OBU, we got there in 2000, so here in a a moment, you'll tell us your story and we can kind of match that up. But Amanda and I got there in the uh, the fall of 2000. And then for the next four years, we just looked at the schedule, course schedule, and if it said Kelly next to it, we we signed up for it. That was kind of our, our strategy. You taught me Greek, uh, taught me New Testament. You taught Amanda Life of Christ. Somehow I didn't, I guess my degree program didn't involve Life of Christ, but I missed that. But we we spent a lot of time with you during those Were you biblical those languages? Yeah, it was biblical languages. Well, you were so, doing probably Hebrew while she was doing. That might that might have been it. Yeah. So considering how much Hebrew I know now, I probably should have taken Life of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so that might have been that might have been uh, a, a better a better option. You're following there, so. in my footsteps. Yeah, yeah. One thing I remember about those classes uh, was coming in on Friday, and back in the day, Friday was casual day for, for faculty. You know, so to speak, casual day, and so you would come in with your Kentucky. Wildcats vest almost every Friday. Really? Do you remember that? Do you still have that vest? <laughs> I can't even remember having a vest of any oh, type. You came in, well, let's, you know, just a pullover vest of some ah, kind. So, like a sweater Like a vest. sweater vest. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking like a denim vest oh. or something like that. <laughs> you should have a denim vest. <laughs> you, need to, you need to add You'd that to your that. repertoire. We'll talk to Angie about that, about adding that to your, uh, to your lineup. So, uh, yeah, a sweater vest, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I do remember that. The Kentucky Wildcats, though, uh, that was always a, a oh, fun yeah. thing. You yeah. always added that to the, to the mix, so. So, yeah, where that I mean that love of sports, love of Wildcats, obviously I guess goes back to your childhood. Mm-hmm. I would assume. Yeah, I, I born and reared in Kentucky and uh, in in the south southeastern portion of the state, which is the mountains, uh, close to Knoxville, Tennessee. If you were looking for uh, for a larger city, what's the name of the city you were? Middlesboro. Middlesboro. Okay, it's a British. Uh, name, but it's uh, if you ever heard of Cumberland Gap Park National Park, mm. it's right there. But you know, there's not a lot to to brag on if you live in that area. I mean, we're high in all the things you wouldn't want to be high in, like alcoholism and poverty, and we tend to be low in the kinds of things you you'd hope would would be better, like uh, vaccinations and those sure. kinds of things. Yeah. So a lot of alcoholism um, and and. The one thing we had in that part of the state, particularly, but it's true of all, really all Kentucky. The one thing we had, we would beat you in basketball. <laughs> so I kind of grew up that. I hung my hat on that. And the state connection was enough to keep you from being Tennessee Orange. Oh, I mean, you weren't yeah. going across, even though you were close to Knoxville. You're oh, not that going, makes it worse. That, oh yeah, yeah. There's a country song out. I heard it on the way over here. Like I'm wearing Tennessee <laughs> yeah, Orange Tennessee for Orange, him, yeah. and I'm thinking, well, you're a loser. <laughs> 
he and you. <laughs> about, yeah, that's uh, great. So, like, you know, I, I am oh Tennessee orange is like yeah. like Texas orange to Oklahoma. Okay, that's perfect. We understand that. Yeah, border yeah, state. Yeah, we understand and that. And if they beat so. you, it was just yeah. You never got. You never heard the end of it. All right, we're gonna circle back to this story because we want to hear your testimony. I know people at Emmaus have been talking to me since Sunday, just excited to kind of hear your testimony, hear your story. Before we get there. We have a couple of random segments that we sometimes do on the podcast. So maybe we'll go for like a Mount Rushmore. So give us the Mount Rushmore of in-person sports events that you've attended over the years. Because I know you've been you've been to some big some big sporting events. Yeah. Uh, uh, walk us through some of your big in-person. You know, I've never events. been to a Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, I've never been to a World Series, but you don't want to hear what I've not done. <laughs> uh, I've I've done more. Um, college basketball events. Right. Like I uh, went through a period there where I think we did five final fours in a row. Wow. And some of that was trying to catch Kentucky winning it. Yeah. And they weren't coming through for us. <laughs> and, and you have to, you, sometimes you have to make the plans before you know mm-hmm. your team's right. in it. Because you, if you don't, if you wait till the last minute and try to do final four. Mm-hmm. So expensive. Yeah, I'm it's sure. crazy. Yeah. You can't get a room anywhere and yeah. the tickets get crazy. So I started I, maybe 2000. 10 or something like that, uh, maybe before that, maybe 2009, we went to like three, and one of them, they didn't even make it. <laughs> but we had to make the arrangements beforehand. Right, you're there, yeah. But we finally, in 2012, uh, I saw it. When I was a kid, I'd, I went to some big games at Rupp Arena. Uh, they, they, Kentucky went to the Final Four in 1984, and I got to the regional was in Lexington, and you could play at your home for the regional yeah, at that right. time. And uh, they played Louisville in the semifinal. Oh, it was wow. one of the biggest games oh, yeah. in the history of the state. Louisville had beat us the year before in Knoxville in the regional final to go to the final four. So the next year they put us in the same region again, and we were playing them in the semifinal uh, of the region. And Louisville and Kentucky and Rupp Arena. And, and I, That's a pretty legendary sporting there. event right yep. there, yeah. And we beat them. Which was great, and then we beat uh, Illinois in the in the regional final. Went to the final four that year, so it was you know it felt big to me. I yeah. was a year out of high school. Oh yeah, those are great That's memories. Awesome. You've seen a couple of good high school basketball games the last few years. Now you, you talk about my Kentucky. I've I've lost some of the enthusiasm for it because uh, high school basketball, which I've always enjoyed, kind of has taken precedence now. My my son Levi goes to Dale. And uh, he's been part of that program since they were like second grade. Just a really amazing group of kids that have been winning all kinds of stuff since oh, yeah. second, third grade. And everybody's saying, that, boy, they're going to be something when they get to high school. But you, that almost never works out. Yeah. You know, kids, some kids just lose interest in it. Oh, yeah. A lot of kids don't develop. Kids move. Kids move. Yeah, There's so yeah. many things. It just never works out. But it, it worked out even better than I think anybody, all those kids kept working hard and they kept developing and so now that those six that were always part of that are there now and last year uh, three freshmen and two sophomores won us to a title wow and that's all that played really yeah Um, we had a move in who played a little bit in the second semester now he's part of the rotation now there's seven six of those have been together all that time that's incredible and we won it again this year went 32 and 0 and Hey, did you guys, 
are they, are they playing two A finals at the Big House there at the fairgrounds? Yes, that's that's where that's that which was. Which apparently is in the process going to be torn down yep. uh, in a few years. There's one replace. more year, I think. I one think they'll year. play it there next yeah. year, and then the next year they have a whole new yeah, which would be Levi. He was a sophomore this year, so if it works out, now they're heavy favorites to win it now. Two more years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it works out, which there's no guarantees, uh, next year would be the last year at the Big House, yeah. and that'd be. Uh, junior uh, Levi's junior, junior year. year, so he his senior year could be in the new building. Nice. So yeah, like he could have a title in two different. You have a venues. few more basketball games to watch. I'm telling you, uh, and, and, and we're not taking away from your athletic prowess, but if I know this correctly, <laughs> it, it's your wife who's the basketball player. Yes, Is that right? Absolutely. That's that's where the talent came. That's from, right. So. Uh, I didn't even play all four years. Uh, I played two years. And I was absolutely like the victory cigar. <laughs> so I, I came in, the game was in, either well in hand or well out of hand. Anyway. And, and I've got lots of, there's lots of stories that I'm ashamed of things we did. Like a friend of mine, we were so certain we weren't getting in. We, at one time, one time somebody handed us some popcorn, reading popcorn on the bench. And the coach looks down there and sees that. He wasn't happy about that. I got weight room stories. I, I mean, if you can't see me on a podcast, yeah, but yeah. if you could, you'd understand that. Any weight victory room Victory cigar. That's an awesome <laughs> term. I've never heard that one. Well, great. What, what's one was? The victory cigar. Victory that's, cigar. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Boston Celtic red <laughs> That's great. Thing, but, uh, I love it. I love yeah, it. I was never, I was not, I mean, I loved it. And, you know, at one time I probably, my skill level was decent, but I was just so small. I was, I, I grew after high school. Yeah. And uh, I gained probably, I mean, I was probably like, I was probably like five, nine, one twenty-five. You know. Yeah, it's gonna be it, tough at that point. So. It's gonna be real tough. <laughs> I remember coach telling me we were doing some drills, and I was able to do everything well, except. And he was telling people what they needed to do to improve. And after I did mine, he said, "Grow three inches and gain thirty pounds." <laughs> <laughs> Got it, coach. Got it. I want it. <laughs> you're a runner, though, right? Like, I am a runner. Yeah, okay. that's been my. That's, that's true. Been that's been your couple yeah, of marathons. Yeah, a couple of. But good. my wife was really good. She, she was a like a, you know, all state. Not she wasn't all state, but like honorable mention kind of, all state. Nice. She could have played like NAIA, yeah. maybe Division Two. if yeah. she wanted to. Yeah. So we go back to that little Bobby Kelly there in Middlesbrough. Tell yeah. us the story of coming to faith in Christ. What is that? What's your What's your testimony there, Doctor Kelly? Well, um, my mother was a believer. And uh, my grandmother, who's like a second parent and a second mother to me, uh, were both believers and uh, made sure I was in church. All I mean, from it was a Baptist church, First Baptist uh, Middlesbrough. So I was always in church. Um, I was in the cradle roll and all the way up. You know, we had all the Southern Baptist oh, yeah. programs. And um, so she would work a lot of times, uh, every other Sunday, in fact. She was a phone, telephone operator. So every other Sunday she had to work, but the church bus would take me to church. She, it was all arranged, you know. They'd pick me up, take me to Sunday school, bring me home after church. Um, so one of those Sundays when she was not even there, so I was just there by myself. My dad had no interest in church, and and he was part of that. He grew up in that community and drank heavily from probably from probably sixteen. He didn't finish high school, was a truck driver, and if whatever the caricatures are for truck drivers, he sort of fit most right. of the bad mm-hmm. ones, the negative ones. Um, so I had none of that influence from him. 
all I remember about him when I was a kid was uh, he was very generous with me and everybody else when he was drinking. Uh, but he was never home, and he spent all our money. Oh wow! On alcohol and just would give it away and gambling and probably other things that I don't even know about. But you know, I kind of everybody in town knew my dad. About thirteen thousand in town, but he lived there all his life. Everybody knew him. He was kind of everybody liked him, but he they liked him partially because he's kind of the town drunk. Uh, and it's not nearly as cute as Otis no. on no. Andy Griffin, you know. Yeah. So everybody knew me as his son. So I, you know, I had lots of everybody's nice to me, but it's just not a way to to live, to grow up. But my mother was doing everything she could. Yeah. And um, so on a Sunday in 1975, in in the fall, that's what I remember. Uh, I, it was the last Sunday of. His name was Truett something, who was, who was the pastor there. It was his last Sunday. He was retiring or moving on somewhere. And I just remember feeling convicted in, during that service and during the invitation. I mean, I was 10 years old. Yeah. And I totally didn't understand really anything about what he was saying other than I just felt like I was in need, like I, like I had sinned and I needed help. So he said, "Come down to front," and I and I remember there going go. forward. Yeah. I remember praying a prayer. Yeah, you know, a lot of people kind of down on sinners' prayers or whatever. I'm sure I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Yeah, but whatever I did, it it began a transformation in my Praise life. Praise God and for that. Yeah, I remember going home and telling my grandmother. My mother was working. My grandmother was at my house at the time, and uh, telling her what I'd done and how excited she was and. Because uh, the pastor was leaving, nobody wanted to baptize me. <laughs> they wanted to wait till they got a pastor. So that was in the fall. It was like July. And wh- however that fell, I guess, in ni- it was 1976. Yeah. Uh, which 76 is a big anniversary, you know, for America. Yeah. And it yeah. was right around July 4th. If, not, if Sunday wasn't July 4th, it was the day before the day after. Huge celebrations everywhere, <laughs> and I was baptized on that nice. Sunday. It was, nice. I, I, I sort of it. felt like everybody was celebrating yeah. my yeah. baptism. Uh, so fireworks, fireworks, <laughs> and, oh yeah, lots of drinking. <laughs> Maybe we'll add part of that to our uh, to our baptism celebration. So uh, I was not doing any drinking, yeah. but it, you yeah, know, yeah. I'm from Kentucky, so so you, so you get from there. And and somewhere along the way, you end up at Clear Creek for for college. Yeah. So what's that? What's that? How'd I go process from, like that? Yeah, becoming yeah. a believer, and yeah. I, I am with her. My dad was a alcoholic to to going and being called to ministry. Yeah. Well, uh, I ended up not staying at First Baptist all through my high school. There was another church in town that was much more engaged with young people, and they had a, a the the associate pastor was the youth minister and. I ended up probably going there because of a, of a girl. Yeah. Um, they had a bigger youth group, and there was a girl I was interested in, and she was there. But that that whatever brought me there. Right. Uh, that that was another part changing my life. He really mentored me, became like a father. He was he was young, but still it was a little old to be brother. But he just took me in and. And it was through him that I even started to think about ministry. And huh. so by the time I was 16, I was feeling some sort of a call to ministry. Uh, 
and thinking it might be pastoral. And so they were very good. He and his father. His father was all uh, was the pastor. Oh, and he was the associate. He was like an students. associate yeah. who did yeah. students. And and his name was Bingham. They, they were it was W. B. Bingham and William Boyd Bingham. And it was Binghamtown Baptist Church. Oh well, well, but no, but there was it. it they didn't start the church, and yeah. they named it after him. It just so happened. <laughs> just a divine coincidence. <laughs> they were the Binghams, yeah. and yeah. it was the Binghamtown Baptist Church. So, they gave me opportunities to speak on youth nights, and oh, yeah. they took me to visit the hospitals and to visit shut-ins and to do evangelistic visits, and so I really saw ministry modeled. And and he was a Clear Creek supporter. He'd gone there. Uh, the pastor had. I don't think he graduated there, but so it's but Clear Creek. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's a Baptist college in Kentucky that's a little more for people who are not 18 to 22, non-traditionals who feel called to ministry. But it was just in the neighboring town to where I grew up, so it was a perfect place for me to go because I'd felt this call to ministry, and so I had lots of opportunities to preach and actually ended up pastoring a church oh, nice. while I was there. Yeah. And, and so I thought that's what I was going to do. Yeah. Uh, I, and went to seminary feeling like I needed more education, which was unusual. You know, it's hard for me to remember what who was the catalyst for that because where I'm from, people look very negatively on it. Right. Too much education. Right. And I remember everybody telling me when I said I was going to seminary, like, don't let them ruin you. Yeah. I heard, I heard that feel. as well. Yeah. yeah. I heard that about going to OBU, and then I heard it doubly about going to yeah. To seminary, so so uh, it, it it didn't ruin me. Yeah. Uh, it was going to Southwestern, so there was a seminary in in Kentucky, Southern Seminary, but they were going through lots of upheaval, and it just didn't seem like a very healthy place. And uh, and I'd always had this fascination with Texas and Dallas. <laughs> I was a Dallas Cowboy fan. Oh, of all things, uh, yeah. Growing up, we yeah. didn't have a local team. Yeah, where I was from, and so they'd show the national game, which was the Cowboys. Yeah. This is Roger Staubach era. Tony Dorsett, you know, that Tom cowboy. Landry. Tom Landry, the man in the hat. Yeah. I did go to a couple of cowboy games in my life. There you go. Yeah, that's that your connection my sports there. Yeah. Um, but I just I just had this sort of interest in so when Louisville didn't look like a good option, Southern didn't look like a good option, I thought, well, I'm gonna go visit Southwestern. Stepped in the rotunda and That was your place. Just knew. Yeah. This is it. I can't even, you know, if I, I had to show you rationally why I went there, I don't know, but yeah. I just knew. Yeah. Gut. Yeah. My gut. gut. I went yeah, with my right. gut. <laughs> Way to listen to the sermon the other day. Jared. Yeah, I did. Yeah, nice job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I loved it. I fell in love with studying the Bible in a way there I hadn't before. I had great professors. I had great experience there. Made a lot of great friends. And then later in that, that's like a four-year master's program at the right. time. In the third year there, a couple of my professors were encouraging me to get a PhD. And I said, well, I want a pastor. And I remember one of them, his name was Bruce Corley, saying, we need more pastors with PhDs. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so, for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not like that eliminates you. That should that should be, a yeah. if, if possible, and you have the opportunity, that would be a great preparation for ministries, uh, pastoral ministry. So I just kind of walked through that Kept door. Going. Yeah. Expecting to still be a pastor, but ha- starting to get more opportunities to teach at the seminary. Do- Dr. Lee, who was a professor I graded for, was diagnosed with cancer, and he was out a semester, and I taught two of his classes, I think, picked up two of his yeah. classes. 
that was in my PhD portion and uh, loved it. Had the same sense of contentment doing that as I as I had uh, when I was preaching and working right. in a church. Yeah. So at the end of that process, I didn't know what I was going to do, and uh, I'd had Mac Roark. Oh yeah. For a uh, a seminar, he he was an OBU professor, but he would, he came down every Thursday and did a, did a, a master's level and PhD seminar at Southwestern. So I'd had him for the PhD seminar. And uh, so I was finishing up, and I ran into him at a conference, and he said, what are you doing these days? And I said, well, I'm, I'm finishing my dissertation. And he said, would you be interested in teaching at OBU? And wow. I thought, uh, well, I've never been there, but I'd be interested. It sounds like a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there aren't that, they aren't that plentiful. No, no, no. And so I said yes, and, and he was teaching there at the time and had a lot of influence there. And so he became my advocate, and I made it in the pool of three that visited campus. And uh, one of the, I know the other two, well, I know who the other two were, I don't know one of them, but he was a pastor in San Antonio area. And that, I think the president kind of wanted him because he wanted somebody who could be out in the churches and stuff. And um, so the president usually wins on those, but the faculty, including Dr. Roark, who he really respected, and the dean ended up, they thought yeah. I was the right choice. Yeah. And um, the other guy who was would have, would have been fantastic is at another Baptist institution and has done really well. Right, yeah. But it was just the perfect place for me. And it's 25 years later, and I've been able to be out in churches because I love doing that. Absolutely, yeah. Had well, students like you. and I'll forever be grateful for that conference conversation that Dr. Roark had with you, that that was the way the Lord established that, just yeah. the the role that you played in my life and that he played in my life. And so, you know, the last couple of minutes here, uh, maybe we'll go take a little different turn. We've got two or three minutes left. You're around college students, young adults. You've got teenager, one that's probably no longer a teenager now. I've or, got a tw- yeah, Luke yeah. will be 22. Okay, yeah. In yeah. just about a week. So Jaron... Um, has obviously done student ministry over the years. Kennedy's doing a lot of that now. Part of what we do on this podcast is kind of think through what does ministry look like to that next generation as well? How do we how do we connect? How do we share the gospel? Take two or three minutes and talk to Emmaus about what you're seeing with older teenagers, college students, young adults right now, and how can we minister? How can we pray? Give us give us a rundown on that that age group, and then and then we'll wrap up. Well, uh, the ones I have are, are probably not typical. Well, that's fair. Because that's fair. They're, yeah. if they're at OBU, mostly. Now, that's not everybody. I, you can't generalize too much. But if they're there, they probably have a, a, a bit deeper commitment to Christ and the church than a kid who's going to OU at the same age. Uh, so I, I'm very fortunate to be around some really great kids. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't. I'm hoping um, maybe Austin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There. Yeah. And uh, so when you get kids like that, and like I, you know, in one class right now, I have Aiden Costanza and Gabe Ataya. So sit kids next to each of other. kids you've had, yeah. I had both their dads. Yeah. And uh, and that's just in one class, and it's true in other classes. I've got other people's kids that I, I had the parents. So when you're having those kind of kids. Those kids are pretty committed to church and to Christ, and so it's 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 not it's not. I'm not seeing what you all are seeing when you're trying to reach high school kids 
that but but the, the one of what I do see just generally is there's just so much that pulls at their lives and their time yeah anything you do now it seems like to me that's like out even school uh, school can be I mean they can ask so much of you academically in high school now and it's all about well if you're going to get to college you're going to get a scholarship you got to get this on the ACT yeah if if academics is your thing then the pressure is great and there's so much more of a pull a tug on your life and your time to be outstanding academically right if you're in ex- some extracurricular if it's athletics yeah um, like we talked about my son who's the bas- the high school now he's just turned 17 um, his season ended and the next that next weekend that was two weekends ago last weekend he had a he plays on team Griffin he had a team Griffin camp so we didn't see him all weekend he was gone Friday night Saturday and Sunday morning yeah the turn camp, around and go to school the next day turn so. around and go to school the next day um, and he goes over for other he's got the the coach is like a trainer for him yeah he goes over there and he drives yeah. now I don't yeah have to yeah, yeah. but Wednesday night is a frequent night when that's the only night that he can do the training that's right. only not available yeah. for him to do it so that's Wednesday night a lot his weekends are often and we his his mother and I grieve it yeah that he's not a very good church member it's hard yeah because he's so he's he's really wants to be excellent at this and this is what it requires yeah and I see it with the kids and other activities too. Yeah. And you used to, you could play multiple sports. Right, right. Everything didn't clamor for your complete devotion. That's a good point. But yeah. you can't now. Yeah. Uh, you don't see many kids who even play two sports anymore. Yeah. Because it requires everything to be good in one. Huh. So I just think all that comes from the specialization and it, it, it's so they're just being pulled and tugged in so many directions. There's just not. You know, I just think when I was a kid, I remember just looking for things to do, <laughs> being bored sometimes. Yeah, yeah, church yeah, yeah. was something I did sometimes because that I was a great time to, to go see yeah. people and do something. Yeah, yeah. And now I don't, I don't see kids looking for things to do. They, yeah. they already have things. That so the challenge is, what does discipleship look like? Evangelism, discipleship, in the middle of that is the challenge. How Not, Jesus can be Lord. Oh, that's a good point. In, yeah. In that kind of culture is, is difficult. No, thanks for analyzing that. That's a that's a really important observation. I just think for us, even as we think about church as a whole, I mean that's true for teenagers, college students. It's true of their parents. It's it's true all the way through. Um, and when no, those kids are committed to all those things, oh, their parents, the parents ha- oh, are also yeah. And yeah, sometimes yeah. the parents are behind it. You know, the kid probably doesn't even want to be sure, uh, sure. but the parents yeah. want it. Yeah. And then sometimes the kid wants it, and the parents yeah. have to go along. Yeah. You know, or yeah going yeah. along for the ride. Um, well, thanks for sharing that. I was I was curious what your perspective was on on that. That, yeah, that means a lot to hear, hear you say that. Not that there's anything easy out of that, but just for us to think as a church, how do we how do we respond to that? So, well, we need to wrap up because we got to send you in there to teach uh, here in a couple of minutes. But I'm I'm so thankful that you shared. I know our church was excited to to hear from you, hear your story, hear how God's worked in your life, and so uh, just thanks for your commitment to the gospel and to the church and and that impact. Kennedy, will you pray for Dr. Kelly? And uh, we'll, we'll wrap up. Before she prays, congratulations oh. to Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Her dad was uh, just has been such a 
influence on me, seeing what he does here and what he's been doing, what he's done in the community here. What a great minister he's been. Yeah. Uh, so when I thought heard he was retiring, I'm like, boy, that's going to be a tough. You and me both. <laughs> I, I thought that same thing. So and at least you had Jaron. We, we had Jaron and Jeff. I was in good shape. Could but, do uh, everything. But I was. Uh, I was. Yeah. It takes a lot of Jeffs and Jarons to make up for one. Gym. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but when I I guess I saw it on a social media post uh, that Kennedy was uh, yeah. in a sense. Yeah, feels fair. His yeah, role. yeah. I thought there you go. How about that? Uh, I couldn't think anybody better to do it, and well, so thank you. That's cool. congratulations. It's a little intimidating so. at times to follow my dad, but yeah, yeah. it's going to be fun to see how the Lord uses that. So, yeah. well, Kennedy, pray yeah. for us, and we'll we'll wrap up. So. Okay, Lord, we thank you for just how you work in our lives, and just hearing Dr. Kelly's story today, and just how it's evident that you continue to work in our lives and continue to pursue us, God. And we know that um, when we look to you, you're the one that gives us those desires that reflect you, God. And so I just pray that we look to you to give us for a desire for your word, God. We're so thankful that um, Dr. Kelly is just so faithful to not only study your word, but to teach your word, God, and that um, he sees the value in um, young adults and college students, Lord, and just how he trains and builds up um, that age group, Lord. And so I just thank you for the impact that he's had on so many students' lives and just to see um, the impact that he's had on even adults that are in ministry now. I just thank you for the work that you've done. We lift up him. We lift up his family just as they're continuing to pursue you, that they um, cling to you, cling to your word and all that they do. And I just pray that as we're encouraged by Dr. Kelly's story today, that um, that would encourage us to continue to consider how you can be Lord of our lives and how we can um, encourage others to be Lord of their lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.